the North Carolina Tar Heels used a second half surge to take a lead and beat Charleston. It was a close one at the halftime, just like last year. The Tar Heels were down. I guess the Tar Heels are taking a pledge out of the football team's playbook. We're going to talk about it and get to your questions all on this live postcast here on Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Right. Hey, welcome into Locked on Tar Heels postcast. It is great to be together. We're going to spend just about 15 minutes or so. We might go a little bit longer depending on how things shake out. But man, uh, North Carolina taking a play, a page out of the football team's playbook. That football team that has been down at the half in three straight games, made great halftime adjustments and come back to win. That's exactly what the basketball team does tonight down seven at the half to Charleston. They were down six at the half to them last year, but come out in the second half, and it is the Caleb Love and Armando Baycott show. So I've got four uh, a four corners takeaway for you. That's what we always do with our basketball game recaps in a way to honor Coach Dean Smith. So we'll do that. I want to look also at what are some of the things from game one that were a bit troubling. Did they continue tonight or did Carolina turn a page with it? Then I want to make sure to take some questions from you guys and see what you are curious to know coming out of this game. All right, so we got to start with these two guys that I just talked about. Carolina, again, down seven at the half, 50 to 43. At that point, Armando Baycott has one point and one rebound. And then we come out in the second half, and there is, I mean, it's just a Caleb Love and Armando Baycott blitzkrieg. They had the first 18 to 19, I can't remember exactly, points of the second half. Uh, when Carolina had 37 points, that the duo had 31 of them by themselves. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. So, Armando Baycott, who at halftime had one point and one rebound, finishes with 28 and six. 28 points, six rebounds. That's impressive. Caleb Love, oh my goodness, this guy, 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists. We're starting to flirt with a triple-double kind of look there. Um, also, only one turnover. That's the other thing. Six assists, one turnover for Caleb Love. You love to see that. He also had a block and two steals in 37 minutes. You don't love that as much, but hey, you'll take it. Carolina wins 102 to 86. So that is four corners. Number one, Armando Baycott and Caleb Love put on an absolute clinic in the second half. Number two of our four corners, quick immediate reactions recap. What a night for Leaky Black, right? Uh, this guy comes out, starts the scoring for Carolina with a three, hit, in fact, hits two first half three-pointers, finishes with 15 points, one off his career high. Uh, his high last year was 13. It was his junior year where he had 16. And so you love to see it from Leakey on a perfect 6-for-6 six six from the field, 2-for-2 two two from three, five rebounds, a block, and a steal. Interestingly, no assists from Leakey tonight, but also no turnovers. And so that is a really encouraging sign there. And so that's number two. Uh, great night for Leakey. But 
perhaps more importantly, the thing we're always looking at with Leakey is not only what does he do offensively, but what does he add on the defensive side of the court? Remember, anything he steals away from an opposing team's best score is essentially points added for the Tar Heels, right? Like it's a net gain for the Tar Heels. So, uh, Ryan Smith, who's the Aussie, the leading scorer, the leading returning scorer as well for Charleston, had 19 against the Tar Heels last year, 24 in uh, the Charleston's first game of the season against uh, uh, University of Tennessee Chattanooga, the Mox. Tonight, with Leaky Black on him mostly, Ryan Smith finishes with a grand total of three points, one made three. Uh, I believe it was in the second half. And so Leaky Black doing what he always does right out of the gate, just causing wreaking havoc for the opponent's best score. And so you love to see that from a guy that averaged 12 points a game last year in Ryan Smith. Leaky just absolutely shuts him down. All right, on to our third takeaway from our, our four corners takeaways is this. The Tar Heels have done great in uh, taking care of the ball. They did have some sloppy turnovers in the first game, but had single-digit turnovers now in back-to-back -back games to start the season. The pace the Tar Heels play at to only have nine turnovers uh, against the, the first game against UNC Wilmington and only eight turnovers tonight. You're really encouraged by that. And, and you expect to see it, quite frankly, with RJ Davis, Caleb Love, and then you bring in somebody of Seth Trimble's cal caliber uh, to be another ball handler. Um, that is really impressive stuff from the Tar Heels. You love to see what they're doing there, taking care of the ball. If they can continue that trend, I mean, it's not going to happen every game, let's be honest about that. But as often as you can do that, man, that's what the Tar Heels need to be. All right, the fourth of the four corners takeaway. Once again, I, I want to talk about the freshman. Once again, no Jalen Washington in this game. Still kind of coming back uh, from his high school knee injuries. Honestly, I think he's going to be back before Puff Johnson is. He looks more ready to go at this point. But what I want to do is talk about the aggressiveness of the two freshmen that are playing right now. And that's Tyler Nickel and that is Seth Trimble. As for Tyler Nickel, let me just give you his uh, stat line here really quick. Let me get back to the home stats. Seth Trimble finishes, uh, sorry, I said Tyler Nickel. Tyler Nickel finishes with eight points, five of which came at the free throw line, plus a made three-pointer. He had a rebound, two assists, zero turnovers. Um, that's impressive and great in eight minutes of action. So a point a minute for Tyler Nickel. But what I want to say about him is, is we, if you've heard him talk, listen to interviews, you've heard the bravado and he backs it up. This kid is not afraid of anything. He gets out on the court, knows that he's a scorer and just gets after it. Aggressive driving to the rim. He wants people to know immediately, Hey, I am not just a shooter with my six, eight frame out on the wing. I'm going to get to the basket and attack. And that's exactly what he's doing. Not backing down, not shy, either against UNC Wilmington or tonight against Charleston. Great work there by Tyler Nickel to do all of that. The other thing is Seth Trimble is equally as aggressive, but maybe more so on the defensive end. There was a, a sequence in the second half where Seth Trimble was just playing tenacious man-to-man -man defense out front, nobody helping him. He was whistled for, frankly, what I thought was a ticky-tack foul. Um, but then 
went right back to it. Didn't didn't allow that to back him off. Literally on the next play, uh, the same level of tight man-to-man defense <clears throat> resulted in a Charleston offensive foul ball is going the other way. And so, and, and for his own good, Seth Trimble finishes with four points, two for two shooting, perfect there, and also no turnover. So you don't have a turnover from either of your freshmen tonight. Great, great work there. You love to see, you don't expect or need, frankly, too much out of them. And so you love to see them contributing in good ways, not hurting the team with silly turnovers or things like that. Now, before we get to your questions, I also want to look at, there There were some negative trends in game one that I want to see if they spilled over into game two to actually become a trend. The first of which was the rebounding. You might remember the Tar Heels were out-rebounded in game one, 37 to 32 by UNC Wilmington. And so here, here tonight against Charleston, Carolina is yet again out rebounded this time 35 to 32. I, I got to tell you, I am stunned by that. Now, to be fair, Charleston is a very, very good offensive rebounding team, and and they did that tonight. 15 offensive rebounds, 20 defensive rebounds, and so they're they're tenacious there, and and that's it is going to be what that's going to be. But Carolina can, cannot continue to do that. They have to start uh, overwhelming the offense, the the rebounding. Again, this is a team that only was out-rebounded three times all of last season. Now they've been out-rebounded twice in two games to start this season. The next thing that was a negative from game one that I thought also carried over into this one is, again, no double-double, what I like to call dub-dubs. No dub-dub for Armando Baycott now in two straight games. And so he's still sitting on 49 for his career. He did have that insane second half where he scored 27 points in the second half, but still only got six rebounds. Caleb Love was the team leader in that category with nine. And so that carries over as well. The third thing that carried over is that Carolina yet again did not shoot well from the three-point line. Uh, they, they had plenty more attempts. They literally doubled their attempts from the UNC Wilmington game. Um, but they were two for 10 in that game, five for 20 tonight. And so still just 25% shooting from the three-point line. Carolina is going to need to get better there. Of the five that they had, Leaky Black was two for two. Caleb, one for nine from three. That's the one thing perhaps from this game you don't love for him. RJ hit one, one out of four, and then Tyler Nickel had one as well. Pete Nance still no uh, made threes for the Tar Heels in a regular season game. He is 0 for 3. Better days ahead there. And so that carries over to Carolina's lack of three-point shooting to start this season. Now, the one that I would say that changed, you might recall Carolina only had four assists in the first game, a thing they hadn't done since 1980. That's right, over four decades. Uh, tonight, they had 14 assists on 35 made field goals, so under half, but 10 more than they had the other night. I thought the second half, they looked a lot better. The first half, when things weren't going well, I thought a lot of it was reverting to one-on-one -on -one offense, and um, that's just not what you want to see. And so um, I believe uh, Mark Schrader and I were tweeting at each other before the game, and I gave him an over-under of 12 for assists, and he went with the over and was right. Carolina got 14. So there you go. There's some of my immediate takeaways from this game. What I want to do is get to your questions. We're going to do that and see what other um, quotes 
we have um, or, or questions from you guys. So before we do that, though, let me quickly tell you about up uh, Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It's easy to get started and easy to play while you watch your favorite team. I've created my own underdog account. I'm taking all the overs for Carolina football tomorrow. Drake May, all the receivers, give it to me. You can go to underdog to make your own picks just like me. It's easy to play, available in over 30 states. You pick between two to five players, doesn't have to be Tar Heels, and you just decide if they'll finish higher or lower than the stat given. Sign up with promo code locked on one word and underdog will literally double your deposit up to a hundred extra dollars. Deposit a hundred, get a hundred free. So go to underdogfantasy.com right now or find it in the app store or Google play store. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on one word. Get in on the college football pick them action today. All right, let me get to your questions. See what you're wondering about from this game or the things that you were checking out. I'm going to go all the way back up to the top of the stream. Um, second half, how they played was awesome. Yes, absolutely, Nick. Nick, uh, sorry, Nick. Nick Whitfield, absolutely. You love to see it. Carolina getting into biscuit territory tonight. Um, Adam McKnight, this is interesting here. He says, still getting our feet wet, but if we continue to get better each game, there's no one beating us. And, and that's the thing. you got to remember, we're two games into the season. This team is learning each other. Yes, they have all the experience of last season and everything that, that came with that. But remember, it took a long, long time to get last season to what it ultimately became down the stretch. And so there's going to be tinkering. There's going to be figuring each other out, whether that's Pete Nance, whether that's the freshman or whomever, it's going to take some time and so there you go. Uh, let's keep looking uh, for more questions. Josh and Lindsay say, what do you feel is the reason for the slow starts in both games so far? And that's a great question. I've been trying to think a lot about that. Obviously, I haven't much had much time to process this game. But from, from game one and now this game, it's almost like the Tar Heels are just trying to wrap their brains around, we're the number one team in the nation, we got to be ready to go out but then it's like is there pressure are they feeling um just just that the struggle of being number one and everything that that leads to um when you've never been that b before remember carolina was not ranked highly at all last year especially like even coming into the ncaa tournament they were in like a fringe seed that had to play baylor a number one seed in the second round and so um Carolina is learning how to deal with this, learning how to diagnose things. I think another part of it, Josh and Lindsay, is this. Game one against UNC Wilmington is a team that was just trying to muck things up. Um, an odd pairing for that first game. Tonight against Charleston, this is a team whose starting lineup is 6'1", 6'2", 6'4", 6'5", and 6'11". Meanwhile, Carolina is matching that up with RJ Davis at six foot, but then Caleb at six foot four. Leaky at 6'9", and then Pete and Armando both at 6'11". And while that is obviously a huge advantage in, in many ways, it's tough to kind of diagnose what the team is doing against you because they can run in and around and amongst you. And so I think that's part of it too, is it's just two odd teams 
to start off the season that Carolina's, I think it's taken them some time to diagnose their opponents. I think that's the way I would ultimately put what's been going on there. Great question. Uh, Will Allison says, Leaky can't be left open anymore, and he was amazing on D tonight. That's right, we talked about that earlier, but for those of you just now coming in, absolutely. Leaky, great, per literally perfect from the field on offense and from three, and had great defense holding Charleston's leading score to three points. And, and Earl brings up another good point here about the slow starts. Taking the best shots from teams that have prepared for Carolina for months. Can you uh, just think about if you're a team preparing to play the number one team in the nation? Man, you are ready to go off, and both these teams so far have. All right. Um, let's look at some more questions. A lot of good stuff about T-Nick and him just being ready to go. Absolutely. Um, and, and here's a big one from Yam Brown and he says he or she, I guess I shouldn't assume it's a, he, we need to get puff back out there. And that's absolutely true. I said it, I tweeted this in the first half of the game, the Tar Heels, I think would have been much better prepared to handle this type of team with puff Johnson healthy and in the lineup. It just, the, the, the personnel that Charleston had called itself to have somebody like Puff. Like you saw the impact Seth Trimble was able to come in and have again defensively now in two straight games. And I think Puff would have played a monumental role against this. Rob M, it's always good to see Rob in here. And, and this is true about this College of Charleston team as well. So um, Pat Kelsey, Charleston's coach, this is his second year at Charleston, had been at Winthrop for many years before that, great teams there, comes in last year, first year at Charleston, has the second fastest team in the nation, they're just scrappy, they play hard, played a bunch of freshmen, and, and Rob says they're a bad matchup for UNC, made our bigs play away from the basket, I think that's part of um, Mondo only having one point and one rebound in the first half. They basically rendered him ineffective in the first half. And clearly, Carolina made halftime adjustments, were able to get into Mondo early and often to just let him impose his will down low. He had um, a chance at at least three three-point play, like and ones, uh, didn't convert the third, but did did a lot of work, obviously spent a lot of time at the free throw line tonight. Let me get back and look at what that was. Eight for 12. Uh, Caleb was eight for 11 at the line. Tar Heels is a team, 27 for 38. You'd like that to be a little higher, but still over 71% as a team, and you'll take it. Let's keep looking through questions here. Um, Uh, Rob also says that he gets some Kobe White, a little little shorter Kobe White vibes from Trimble. He may take longer to get going, but he's going to be a very good player for UNC. Absolutely. I don't think uh, the the truth about Trimble is he is not or is that he is not yet the offensive juggernaut that Kobe White was, um, but has just some of that. Um, I'm going to go out and get it attitude that Kobe had. And, and I get those same vibes. Rob's also telling me my mic keeps messing up my focus. I'm sorry. I, I, I just can't quit looking at it, Rob. Oh man, what a beautiful mic. <laughs> sorry. I'm messing with you now. Uh, Yam, we've already had something from Yam. Um, and you love to see this. He says, I love Hubert's fire. That's right. This guy in game two is already locked and loaded and going and not taking it from his team when they back down. Had a second half timeout where he was furious at the boys for how they were playing. 
Um, Rob has a question later here. Says, are we giving up all these offensive rebounds because Baycott is having to help out on drives when our guards can't stay in front of the ball? Um, somewhat. Like there was a play, um, I forget which half it was in, where he. I don't think he had to help out. He chose to come across the lane and help out to try to block a shot. I didn't think he needed to try to block the shot. But then in doing so, he cleared out the other side, leaving Charleston open for a wide open offensive uh, rebound. So you had a lot of that. I think there were also issues because quite frankly, in the first half, Charleston was just being scrappier, getting to the ball, um, swiping at it. If Carolina didn't get it up top as the ball fell, Charleston was right there on it. Um, doing what they needed to do. They utilized, you, you probably noticed as you watched this game, they utilized their guards really well in the post, um, particularly against, while Carolina had size matchups, uh, advantages, I should say, all over the place, one place they didn't was R.J. Davis, and Charleston was able to take some advantage of the six-foot-even R.J. Davis tonight. And so there is that. Um Let's see if we have any more questions. Here's one from Will um, that says, I like what I'm seeing from Dunn. Do you see him and Styles having more of an impact going forward? I think so with Dunn, maybe more so than Styles, just what we've seen so far. Let's look at their numbers from tonight. Dunn had four points. It was all pretty early in the game. Dunn played eight minutes. Styles just five. Styles only had three minutes in the first game, so he has not gotten in very much. And in fact, Carolina uh, played nine guys again tonight. You would expect it to be 10 if Puff was healthy and 11 if Jalen was healthy. But um, here's what I'll say about Dunn right out of the gate. He is looking more confident already than any time I saw last year. Like the poise he had, the the shots, the the two shots he made in the first half, I thought he just looked cool, calm, and collected. Um, it's clear that Coach Davis trusts him more this year, and I think maybe less so Dontrez. And so as it stands right now, I think Dunn is going to have more of an impact than will Dontrez Styles, particularly so once Puff Johnson is back in the mix. I think that probably cuts into both of their minutes, but more so uh, Dontrez Styles than uh, DeMarco Dunn. So a uh, great question there from Will. Uh, let's see if there are any others. Uh, Joshua. Joshua asks about, about the getting out-rebounded. He says, do you think being out-rebounded had anything to do with playing the young guy so much? Do you think Baycott has di digressed as far as rebounding? Let's take those one at a time. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with the young guys. Again, I think it really has more to do with the two opponents Carolina has played so far. Again, this is a, a scrappy offensive rebounding team that the Tar Heels played. And Carolina, I think, too, um, with that of, of getting out-rebounded, is just trying to figure out what that looks like. Again, Caleb Love was the leading rebounder tonight with nine of them. And so I, moving then to the second question, do you think Baycott has digressed or regressed as far as rebounding? I don't think so. Um, game one was a function of foul troubles. He would have had a double-double if he wasn't missing most of the second half. As to tonight, I think um, Charleston was just pulling him around so many different ways that 
he just wasn't finding the rebounds. And I'm not sure what, because it's not like Nance is taking a bunch of them away. Pete Nance had one rebound himself. So yeah, to back up what I just said there, uh, Pete Nance, um, only one rebound, five for Leakey, nine for Caleb, three for RJ, six for Armando. Um, this is one that I want to reserve a little more judgment on before I make a call about what's going on with Mondo, but, um, it is, it's eyebrows raised, right? I, I'm curious of what's going on. Let's see if we've got some other questions. Uh, uh, Tony Dowd, always good to see Tony diving in and checking in. Great to see you, Tony. What will other teams do now that they realize they gotta guard Leaky? Scoring threat from every position now, this will be the new norm. Listen, if that is true and Leaky is going to be more consistent game in and game out, not just what he's the havoc he's causing on the defensive end, but also on the offensive end, uh, that that becomes man, a, another dynamic potential score that you got to watch out for. Because I, I think one of my questions offensively has been, you know, you got Armando, you know, you got RJ, you know, you got Caleb. Who then is option four, not necessarily the fourth option, but option four in terms of having four big, big time offensive threats as you did last year. So not who becomes Brady Manic. I'm not asking for that, but I'm asking who can score at that level. I don't know that Leakey's going to be able to do that every night, but certainly at a higher level. And boy, what that does to a team's um, scouting uh, for the Tar Heels is tough. If if Tyler Nickel continues to be as aggressive as he has been so far, he's going to get some of that offense as well. But man, if teams are going to have to, like last year, teams are helping off of Leakey. That, that's, I think, probably the biggest thing in this question. If Leakey can become consistent enough where teams can't help off of him anymore, Boy, that is, that's good. Uh, stay vigilant. Am I the only one worried that we're the only top top 10 team not blowing these teams out? No, I'm not concerned, vigilant, honestly. Uh, look, Gonzaga almost just lost while Carolina was playing the night, had a 12-point deficit in the second half to Michigan State. Now, I know different level of competition, but that's the truth of the matter there. Um but no, I, again, I think it's more about the opponents than it is Carolina. Yes, there is some some issue of Carolina working their way into the season, but um, not concerned yet. Let, let's keep watching and waiting to see. We got Gardner Webb on Tuesday, and I think that might be a little bit different. Several other questions about uh, should we be worried to start the season? Um, we got somebody checking it. I love this. How about this one? Uh, Larry Charles says great content and perspectives much appreciated on that, but that's not why I want to bring this up watching from Antigua. Love it. Love having somebody diving in with us from the Caribbean brother. I wish I was with you right there now. Um, Chadwick Crumpton, I want to answer this one, says, did not see the game. How did Tyler Nickel play tonight? Well, here's the thing. We talked about Tyler Nickel earlier, so make sure you go back and watch that. But my biggest takeaway is that this guy, as expected, is going to step up to the moment. He's not afraid of anything. He's not scared of anything. He's going to go to the rim. He's going to shoot from outside. He, with losing Brady Manick, Early returns for me are, is, is that he has the quickest trigger from three on the team this year. I want to, I need to evaluate that a little bit more but just like um observationally tyler nickel might have the quickest trigger on the team uh love we got some old school high low with baycott and nance should we expect to see more of that rob yes i think we should and here's why because again 
Pete Nance is going to hit from three. They're going to come. Just stay patient, everyone. But he is more of a traditional five, similar to Armando. One of the things about Pete Nance, though, is that he realizes he projects to the next level as more of a four. And so he's going to have to learn that and do that this year. But they, there's going to be more of that traditional Roy Williams-ish high-low with the bigs. Like, I can't wait. I've said this multiple times to see Carolina play Syracuse. That's going to be a lot of fun. We got to see more of the three-guard lineup tonight. Um, that's Whether that's um, Trimble, Love, and Davis, or whether it's Dunn working into that mix as well. Keep, keep your eye out on that because I think it can be a devastating defensive lineup um, paired with a, a wing and some bigs. And so thanks everyone so much for all your thoughts, for um, bringing stuff in. Let me see if there's anything else that we need to catch um, before we go. Um, I do want to know, I do want to point this out and then we'll get out of here. Todd Pegram says, did anyone else notice Pete Nance coaching up Trimble? Here's what I love from Pete Nance. This guy is a leader. Even though he's the one of the five starters that's just come in, Watch who's the one gathering everyone before free throws for a huddle. Multiple times against Wilmington on Monday night in game one, it was Pete Nance. Tonight again, you see him, as this says, coaching him up. And so I'm really excited to see all of those things. Great point there, Todd. Thank you for pointing it out. Well, folks, it's great to be together for a postcast. We'll do this as often as we can this season in the 10 to 15... 20 minutes following Carolina's basketball games. So make sure you tune in with us. But as for tonight, we'll, we'll have more on the game on Monday's show, of course, and the football game against Wake Forest tomorrow night. Big stuff there. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in with me. Make sure that you follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. You can see it there below. And Make sure to follow the new Locked on College Basketball, National College Basketball, co-hosted by myself and Andy Patton, the host of Locked on Zags. Would love to see you there with us. Please, if you're watching, subscribe. You already are. Would love it. Uh, smash the like button. Leave some more comments as you continue watching. But for tonight, I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace. Peace.